coming up tonight on the Bigfooty Draftcast, we're talking updating people's draft boards. We're running the ruler over Richmond, St Kilda and Fremantle, and we find out the latest goss on Bigfooty's own Neil Erasmus. All that and more, coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen and Magpie supporters, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Draftcast. I am, of course, the Wookiee. Joining me tonight of the steely-eyed Big Footy Draft and Trading Board experts in Modern Artillery and PM Bangers. Gentlemen, good evening. Hey, Wookiee. Yeah, thanks for having us. So we've got a little bit to talk about, obviously. Uh, things have progressed during the week as we... Uh, lose more teams from uh, successfully chasing good seasons. Um, I guess we can start with uh, how have your weeks been, guys? Yeah, pretty good. Thanks for asking. Uh, uh, just, I care. Just, oh, well, look, <laughs> no, it's do. really heartwarming to come onto a podcast <laughs> and have someone talk about me. It's actually all I want in life. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just been sort of a week of re-watching a lot of interstate football and, and any Vic f- football that I can get my hands on, like I assume it has been for a lot of draft watchers. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, I've, I've been on holidays as well, so uh, I've been catching up on plenty of footy, which has been nice. It's sort of starting to get through some of the old vision that we've got and start to try and work out what my draft board's looking like. So it's been, uh, it's been a bit of fun. Are we starting to get a better picture of where we're headed towards for the draft? Are we seeing some results some developments in terms of players in terms of matches things like that um yeah it's funny we, we recently had the wa versus sa championships game which was really good to get out of the way because we didn't think we'd see any sort of interstate stuff and uh, i feel like it sort of solidified the position of a few guys but probably thrown more curveballs than anything because we had guys like eric benning came out and had a really good game um brady hoff is one from wa that's since gone on to debut for Peel Thunder uh, at Waffle League level and absolutely dominate. So, yeah, it's been good. We've, we've gotten a few guys push into the top 20 and solidify their position in the first round, but we've had guys really contested as well. Excellent. So it's a new month. Uh, people obviously now updating their own draft boards. Uh, any changes for you guys? Any significant uh, developments in your own draft boards? Uh, I really, so uh, I only do a top 20 and I've included Naziah Wanganin Miller and Arlo Draper. So Draper sort of coming off of injury in the last month and a bit and, and really shown some good form when he's been played as more of a permanent forward, which I've liked and, and that's made him a bit more appealing. And uh, Naziah Wanganin Miller is just a, a really, really deadly kick and got some tricks. So I uh, had to include him. I expected mine out to the to the 50 for the first time this year, so that took me a fair while and a couple of headaches in there as well. Uh, I think on the back of the sort of WA uh, South Australia game that we, we saw last weekend, uh, probably a few changes for me in that South Australian group, a couple that probably slid down a little bit that I was kind of hoping would maybe push themselves a little bit higher into the first round. So I sort of had Hugh Jackson and, and Matthew Roberts sort of sliding a little bit. Um, and then again... PM Bangers touched on Brady Hoff a little bit earlier. I thought he was really good um, in that game. So he sort of moved up his way into my rankings. And a couple of, other, of those other WA guys are looking all right as well. And Jai Amos is starting to really firm as a first rounder for me as well. So some pretty exciting 
things to come out of that WA and SA game that have had sort of some draft board implications for me too. And uh, any movement on Bigfooty's own Neil Erasmus? Uh, I have unfortunately had Erasmus slide uh, a little bit over the last month, more so uh, due to the impressive form of others and re-watching some other good performances from Victorians. Um, and he, he unfortunately didn't get to play in that WASA game that uh, we spoke about a little bit earlier because he had a corked thigh that he got uh, in school football. Well, that, that, that is unfortunate. We, we, we do like good news where Neil Erasmus is concerned. Bigfooty's own Neil Erasmus. Uh, we'll return to that subject later. Uh, first off, though, we want to look at the mighty Tigers. Uh, they finished 12th this year. A bit of a fall from grace. But uh, David Asprey and Bashar Hooley have retired. Patrick Nash has been delisted. Uh, what do they need to replace these highly respected players? And Patrick Nash. Oh, jeez. That was a nice little <laughs> shot you got in there. Um, <laughs> I, I think um, the advantage that Richmond have is that they've got some really strong youth um, that can sort of come up and replace a couple of those guys pretty easily. I think Astbury is the key defender, is probably the most urgent one to replace. Um, so if they keep hold of their first rounder, then, then Gibkiss is probably the best tall defender in the pool outside of uh, Sam Darcy and some might say it's a little bit high for him, but I think if he's there, they've got to snatch it up. What do you think, modern artillery? Yeah, I think that's that's the perfect look for the Tigers. I mean, I guess the question is, if he's sliding to pick, what is it, pick seven, I think that they've got, um, do they pull the trigger? Some some people probably prefer to maybe tackle some of the key position players maybe a bit later in the draft, particularly this one where there might be a little bit of value later with those key position types. But Gibkiss is probably that, legitimate top 10 um, talent so if he's there I think it's pick seven that they've got probably slide a little bit after the bids but yeah I think it's I think that's the spot where you've got to pull the trigger on him for sure so who who, who fits in the draft for these guys who are they likely to take um, so I mean it's so hard this laid out uh, or this far out rather than know who they're going to take so you look at the types and I think Gibkiss is one um I think if Mac Andrew is there, I really rate his upside, but I know that there's a question about him, so I won't go too far into that. Um, but apart from that, I, I think midfielders, and there's going to be a lot of good ones available around their picks, especially given they've got that Geelong first rounder as well. So later on, they might be able to get their hands on sort of a Josh Goder or a Matthew Roberts or even a, a Sam Butler, the, the brother of Daniel, who they once had on their list. Yeah, I think that's probably why you do look at Gibkiss at seven if he's there, because... You know, holding pick six, I think it's pick 16 at the moment. And again, it'll probably slide because of the bids, but there's likely to still be quality midfield talent on the board there. And so you can get your key position um, draft pick for the future, and then you can still add to your midfield group with that um, pick in the late teens as well. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty handy draft hand for Richmond. I think it gives them a really good opportunity to sort of um, not rebuild, but sort of add add to their core and, and bring in some good youth to sort of help pivot and sort of really strengthen themselves and, and set themselves up nicely for probably another extended run of, of success. Yeah, and, and sorry, I'll just jump in here again. Richmond have a crazy amount of top 50 picks. I think they've got six or seven uh, at the moment. So having that many picks pretty much guarantees that they're going to look to trade up. So they could have the opportunity to get back into the first round for a third first rounder, which would be a nice little shot in the arm in terms of young talent or 
they might look to sort of get more into the 20 region where they can address uh maybe pick up some sliders coming out you know joshua shelley might be a type of kid that slides that far or you might have a zach taylor who i know modern artillery rates really highly around that region has a really good kick a little bit on the shorter side but he could fit in there as well yeah i'm a big fan of those two actually rochelle and taylor and, and like you said if they're there around that 16 mark i think it's a no-brainer i am a big fan of taylor um he is a small midfielder but he's really clever he's evasive he uses the footy really well um, and he's pretty good at stoppage but then he's really good at exiting the stoppage and then sort of setting up forward movement from there whether it be by hand or foot so yeah i'm i'm really big on taylor and i think he'd be a pretty complimentary piece to that richmond midfield all right so we've got some questions from the board uh the draft and trading board for big footy there if you uh, haven't been there i suggest you go and find some high quality discussion on all things draft and trading for this year um with the richmond second rounders should they look to trade to get a third first round pick i think we alluded to this with the number of picks they actually have yeah, so they're probably not going to be able to free up the amount of list spots that they're going to need um, to use all those picks anyway. So they should definitely be looking to trade the ones that are sort of in the 40s and the 30s into the 20s. Maybe if there's a team that, that is going to need points uh, that has a 20s pick, then that'd be a good option. But yeah, I, I think it's probably more valuable uh, getting higher picks rather than taking seven picks to the draft. I think particularly in this draft as well, um, there's probably some good opportunities to just sit where you are, hold, see who slides. And if there's if there's no one there that you like at that pick and Richmond do want to do something with it, they can potentially move it into next year as well. So um, there's plenty of options. And that's the nice thing about having a lot of picks is that you've got the flexibility to sort of move up or move out or, or you know, just be really savvy on the night. Um, and so, yeah, I think absolutely. It's unlikely that they take all those picks in. And so there's definitely going to be movement there for sure. Could they bundle them all together and steal Nick Dacos? Uh, no, so so Nick Dacos, I'm not sure if you um, saw during the week. Probably not my fault for not mentioning it, actually. Um, so Collingwood have pretty much just fully committed to taking him. Um, like They did a big photo, photo shoot and everything and announced that he'll, um, he'll sort of sign a four-year contract right off the bat as well. So uh, not, not a Nick Dacos, and I don't think the Bulldogs would... Uh, let them have sam darcy either but with the amount of points that they have they they could well sort of push up into areas and just like start threatening to bid even to get some value for those picks i think it'd be hilarious uh second question from rioli 8217 does richmond need mcandrew considering they have samson ryan ivan soldo and toby and curvis callum yeah <laughs> mcandrew mcdonald's burger eh? yeah um, <laughs> yeah, so the, this one was directed at me because um, I've been a big advocate for them to, for taking uh, Mac Andrew with their first pick. And my reasoning has sort of been that I think uh, Andrew sort of, to me, has the highest ceiling of the pool. There's a lot of risk attached to that, uh, granted, because of his light frame currently. But he's not um, one of those next generation academy prospects that, you know, is, is going to take sort of years and years to learn their football craft as well. I think Mac Andrew actually has really advanced football craft, which I think is something that he doesn't get enough uh, credit for. So it's more so whether he's going to be able to add the weight, which, you know, I think Richmond um, would know very well if uh, he could. And if they do think that he can, I think you take him regardless because he's, he's not just going to be um, his sort of stock standard ruck, which no offense to all those guys on Richmond's list, none of them are, are anything particularly special 
uh, or like anything game changing, which I think Mac Andrew can be. The other thing with Andrew, I think, is he's probably not just solely going to have to be a ruck. There might be Richmond might see him as sort of a forward. They might see him as a, as a key defender as well. So just because those names like Ryan and Soldo and Nank and and CCJ are on the list doesn't necessarily mean that you can't go on Mac Andrew that early because you know he's pretty flexible and there's there's plenty of roles that he could potentially play even with some of those guys on the list though as well so i think if richmond view him as you know that seventh um guy on their board or a top guy on their board then i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily not pull the trigger because of those other guys that that have been mentioned and uh he'd also like to know will josh gibkus last until pick seven uh, so it's always a possibility, and, and given how close that top group is, uh, you'd expect that um, he's a chance. I think uh, Gold Coast's clear need for a key defender might be the biggest hurdle there, but if he gets past GWS and he gets past Gold Coast, then I can't see any of the other teams picking before Richmond taking him. Fair enough. I don't want to pronounce this uh, NGA prospect you've written here, <laughs> but it, 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 <laughs> Mr. Agog... What's he like and what's his range? That that was a very uh, nice way of putting it from you. It's uh, you know much improved from your Burgoyne blunder, but <laughs> Agog is um, he he's a sort of a, an undersized key position player from the Murray Bush Rangers, and he's got some uh, you know he's got some stuff to like about him. I think he's a he's a pretty good user out of the back half, and he's a good mark. And when he's up forward, his leading patterns, uh, you know the. They, they're going to take some developing if he does get picked, but there's sort of enough there to suggest that he could develop well. Um, but for me, he's, he's more of a, a rookie pick at this stage just because I'm not really uh, certain that he'd be able to translate to the next level. All right. So let's move on to the second club for this evening, and it's the Mighty Saints. Uh, they finished 10th this year. Uh, James Frawley and Dylan Roberton have retired. Luke Dunstan and Sean McKernan have been delisted. Guys, what do they need to replace these fine physical specimens? Jeez, you just—you're the king of the backhand tonight. Um, I, th- I think um, St Kilda, uh, despite the I guess disappointing year uh, at AFL level, I, I think that they've got a lot of pieces. It's—it's it's probably more about fitting them in to uh, make a readable picture. But at their first pick, I, th- I think it should be a midfielder and particularly one with speed and probably some good ball use. So, um, you know, Josh Goda might come into consideration there. Tyler Sonzi is another one that, um, you know, we, we've sort of said before he's drifted a little bit because he's out of sight, out of mind, but he's uh, definitely the quality of player that they'd want to take at that pick. And then later on, they might look to get in some sliding um, taller players, especially I think they need a, a young uh, forward to help out Max King in the future. So, Maybe Jacob Van Ruin comes into consideration in a 20s pick. It'd be interesting to see what they would do with that early selection if Gibkiss did slide. And I know it's probably unlikely that he's there, but I do probably see a need for maybe just another intercepting key defender as well, just to sort of go with the likes of Howard and Wilkie and, and Highmore, who actually sort of came on this year as that um, mature age recruit. recruit. Maybe there's an opportunity to add Gibkiss as well if he's there. Um, but I think he's probably off the board at that point, and so I tend to agree, PM Bangers. I think the midfield, a midfielder at that sort of range is probably the most likely, and the, the there's a good opportunity there for them to add 
a couple of other pieces to their midfield and and forward group through the uh, through their NGA selections, which I'm sure we'll touch on in a little bit. But getting another top end midfield to go with you know, the likes of Crouch and Steele and Zach Jones would be pretty pretty good as well. All right, so we know what they need. How are they going to go about getting it? Yeah, it'll be. Um, I think. Uh, I'm not sure where their second rounder sits at the moment. I think they might have one in the 20s. So um, I think they could probably hold off on a midfielder if they have the opportunity to pick up Gibkiss. And I know that they've got a lot of rucks, but again, I think Mac Andrew would be a good one to consider here. Um, and then later on, the only issue there would be uh, like their second rounders are probably going to get chewed up by some of their NGA kids. Yeah, you've got the likes of Owens and Winhager who are probably in play any anywhere from that second round um and i'm pretty optimistic about owens i wa- i rate him really highly and and win hager equally is you know a pretty pretty good piece as well someone who can play sort of half forward wing and half back so um yeah the early selection's key um whether it be you know that key position guy sliding in gibkiss or maybe even andrew and then if it's not one of them adding to the midfield groups pretty you know it'd be really good for that midfield and then yeah a couple of sliding um maybe a sliding key position player later in the draft if, if the likes of Owens and Winhager don't sort of draw those um, those later picks um, with a match bid. So it's it's kind of tough when you've got some NGA kids that you've got to match because um, you kind of really don't know until draft night, you know, where they're going to where they're gonna be called. Um, so it sort of probably m- makes planning a little bit difficult. I know it makes planning for our fans of drafts pretty difficult at times. So... Um, it'll be interesting to see, obviously, what happens with that first selection and then where the, the likes of Owens and Winhager sort of fall um, anywhere probably from that second round onwards. All right, so question from the board here. Is there too much of a risk of Josh Sin remaining a flanker for St Kilda to look at him as an option? Um, yeah, so this one um, is interesting because I've seen... I, I read a lot of the club board draft threads just, you know, because I have an interest, obviously. Um, and I see a lot of fears with players like Sin and Chess has been mentioned a bit as well that they might end up being sort of like, you know, Nick Caulfield's or Hunter Clark's that, you know, were, were picked and promised to turn into midfielders, but it probably hasn't uh, eventuated like that. But yeah, I, I think that Sin is, and I said it before on the Hawthorne episode, is that with his line breaking speed and kick, like it's hard to see any club wanting to sort of contain him just to a back flank without at least giving him an extended run of, say, a season or two through the guts. Cool. And there's a few NGA prospects. We've touched on them already uh, to some extent. Uh, Machido Owens and Marcus Windhager. Uh, Scott Bielby, Jack Perris, Josiah Kyle. Uh, what's, What's their deal? Um, all right, so I'll do the back three because I know that uh, modern artillery really rates Owens and Windhager, so he's mm. probably got a bit more to say. So uh, just quickly, so the last three in Bilby, Paris and Kyle are probably uh, rookie chances at best. So Scott Bilby is sort of uh, a, a halfback flank that 186 centimetres, so sort of a, a medium height, and he's got uh, some pace and a good kick out of the back line, and I think he's a really good overhead mark, but... Uh, he, he probably just doesn't have uh, the defensive focus or the, um, you know, tackling intent to make it as a half-back flanker. So uh, he might come in and, and be able to fill in uh, as a forward or something because of his ability overhead and he's got a decent leap and a good kick. So that's where I see him if he gets drafted. Um, 
Jack Perist is a really good uh, athlete. Like uh, he's the grandson of Nova Perist, who's a gold medal Olympian. So obviously he's got some good heritage there. And you know the the pace over 100 meters probably not uh, as important on a football field, but he is pacey and um, he's got real intent to win the ball. So not necessarily an inside player, but you know if he's sort of in a one-on-one race and someone tries to throw their weight at him he's not going to waver off. He's going to keep running for the ball and try to knock them off. And then Josiah Kyle is uh, sort of a a similar player. He almost plays like he has uh, a bit of a rugby background with, you know, trying to sort of sell the candy and sidestep around. And, um, you know, he's got some good pace some good agility and a good kick for goal. So uh, he could be one that they consider. And and he's a good tackler in the forward half, which I think is increasingly more important for your small forwards. Yeah, so I touched on Owens a bit earlier that I rate him as a first-round talent. I'm, uh, he's, he's one of my favourites in the pool, to be honest, and it'll be interesting to see where he does fall on draft night because it seems most likely that he will make his way um, to St Kilda and get sort of outside that first round, but it'll be very interesting to see um, if that changes sort of between now and, the, and, and draft night. But I think he just has a really good understanding of where the ball is going to be and he positions himself really well to win it. He's... He's an aerial threat as well, so he's willing to leap at the footy and compete in the air. Uh, he reads the flight of the ball really well, and he's got good hands. Um, so he's really capable as an interceptor as well, and we saw a little bit of that um, through the Vic Country, Vic Metro game where he got the late call up, and I thought that was sort of the game that he that he had that really sort of showed sort of that he was that he had the he had the ability. Um, He's equally as courageous as attacking the ground ball as he is the area ball, so he wins his fair share of the contested footy. He's actually a really nice size at around that sort of 190 centimetre mark. So I guess the question about him is where is he going to play at the next level? Is he going to be that sort of inside midfielder or is he going to be sort of left to the outside to play on the wings or one of the flanks? So that's probably the question mark over him. Um, I like him as, as that inside midfielder that can sort of maybe rest forward a little bit and, and sort of have an impact there as well. But... Um, the flexibility of him is something that's pretty nice um, and, and will give the Saints sort of the opportunity to sort of position him wherever they feel is, feel is best. Um, Win Hager is the other one. I think he has all the traits to fit into a role at AFL level. He's got the flexibility, again, to play half forward, half back or the wing. So that's pretty handy as well. He's a really smart footballer. I think he reads the ball off the contest really well. And then he's a pretty dynamic mover who can sort of make something happen by foot as well. So pretty crafty kind of um, player. And, and again, another one that's got the flexibility to play in it in various roles. It probably gives the guys like that the best opportunity to sort of make it at the level because if something doesn't work out for them, then there's another there's another option for them to sort of find a role at the level. So yeah, I'm pretty optimistic about those two. And I think those two are sort of two guys that Saints, should be, Saints fans should be pretty, pretty pleased to be able to add, um, add to their list. Awesome. Time to move on to the last club for this evening, and it's the Mighty Dockers. Finished 11th this year. Uh, Stephen Hill retired. Uh, they've delisted a few, though. Uh, Brett Buley, Reese Conker, Taylor Duman, Stephen Gero, Leno Thomas, and Toby Watson, as well as Adam Sarah, uh, the talk of the town at the moment after requesting a trade. Well, he was the talk of the town until Lockie Neal did. Um, what do they need, guys? Yeah, so uh, Frio, Frio, it feels like they need the same thing every year, and it's a, a, a you know a number one key forward that's probably going to provide a bit of consistency. And uh, it's lucky that you know they they're going to have one from WA right under their nose that you know is really in the last month pushed himself up to be a top ten pick, and and that's Jai Amis, and um, you know they're probably 
if they were only going to have one top 10 pick, then there'd probably be a little bit of debate whether they should go maybe in Erasmus instead, Bigfooty's own. Um, but I think the likelihood of them uh, getting a, another top 10 pick in means that Amos is, is going to be at least one of their selections. Um, and then later on, uh, if they're not you know, matching bids for NGA kids, maybe even some of the other WA tours like Rhett Barzo or, or Jacob Van Royen. Yeah, I think Amos is kind of a no-brainer at this stage now, isn't he? I copped a little bit of grief from my phantom for, for sending him to the West Coast instead of Frio, so uh, Frio fans ap- apologise for that. But I think, yeah, now that they'll likely have those sort of two for top 10 selections um, with Adam Scherer likely going to, back to Victoria, it's probably uh, it's probably it makes the decision a little bit easier. Having said that, if, if Neil comes in, maybe that changes. But um, maybe they've got to choose between Amos and and the midfielder. But it'd be really interesting to see what they do with that first with that first round selection. And again, that pick twenty seven, which I think is their second selection, is right in that Van Roy and Bazo range. I think so. They should be able to go to the draft this year and add some good Western Australian talent at at the at the picks that they've got. And I think those those Western Australian prospects would be right in their range. So. That'll be pleasing for, for Freo fans to be able to add some local talent as well and have that sort of level of confidence that those guys are going to stick around and be a part of their future. I have I have noticed some talk on the Freo boards this week about uh, Neil Erasmus, Bigfoot's own Neil Erasmus. Uh, is, he is likely to end up at Freo? Um, again, it, it depends on which way they go and, and the Neil stuff sort of complicates this with um, what they're going to have to pay to get him if they do continue to pursue that. Um that yeah you'd think so i think uh he's the clear best wa talent um available that, that plays midfield you know him and amos would be battling out for number one if they're going to have two top 10 picks and there's a year to only go wa prospects it's probably this one might, might be some crow supporters disappointed by that but we'll get to that later um a few questions from the board uh who do you think uh, sarah is worth oh sorry what do you think sarah is worth in a trade and what do you think they'll get um, yeah, so I, I'm pretty high on Chera's talent. So I, I very well, and it depends on where he goes. I know Melbourne supporters are increasingly more confident that he gets there. So um, if he goes to Melbourne, then you'd be asking for their next round, their first round pick next year, and probably one of their young WA superstars. So uh, I don't think you'd get Jackson, but you know maybe a Trent Rivers can come the other way as a sweetener. Um, if it, if it ends up being Carlton, then I think that pick six and probably an early 20s pick is fair for him. Yeah, I agree. I think it's got to be sort of that top 10 selection plus a bit of gravy on top of that. I think I think Chair was picked five, I think, in 20, this 2017 draft, and I think he's justified that selection absolutely. So I don't think just that single Tom, top 10 selection is is enough to get, get it done. And I know if it is Carlton, they'll be probably happy to to part with pick six and probably prefer not to add anything to it. But Chair has done enough and he's got the runs on the board. I think you know, you've got to pay that little bit extra to, to get sort of that known commodity in and, and Chera is that. So I think it's, if it's Carlton, I think it's the pick six. And like you said, PM Bang is probably something in the twenties to, to go on top. Yeah. And I, I think um, like a big thing is when you look at these trades and people sort of say like, Oh, but they're older than a draftee is, is Chera is only four years older than a draftee. And, um, you know, even projecting all the players in the draft become the best players that they can be. I, I still think Chera is probably going to be 
um, better than the kid that you end up taking it, it'll it'll end up being eight than Dacos and Darcy. Alrighty, Snuffleupagus asks, do you see any keep of uh, key, uh, KPFs in this draft? Uh, yeah, so the full question is, do you see any KPFs <laughs> in this draft being a number one AFL? I, I kind of gave up KPF. after I couldn't pronounce uh, KPFs. I wanted to see how you're going to salvage that. Oh. Um, I, I think over the last month is I've become increasingly more confident of Jai Amis being able to get to that level. Um, I saw Modern Artillery uh, sort of described his play style a little bit like Jeremy Cameron, which I can see. Um, I don't think Amis roams up the ground as much, but he's certainly got that ability to lose opponents on the lead and, and really cause headaches for a defense and force opposition to plan around uh, him and only him essentially when they play against him. Yeah, got to give you some love on this one, PM Bangers. You've been pretty early on this and you're well and truly um, on board before I was, but I'm on board now as well. I think Amos is probably the one guy in this in this draft that you'd be pretty... have some sort of level of confidence that, that he can be that number one guy. And I mean, you only just had to see sort of that first half on the on the weekend just gone um, in that WASA game. That There's just so many things that he can do as a forward and he's so quick on the lead, but he's also competitive in the air and then kicked that awesome goal from the boundary as well on the run so he's got talent and he's got he's there's plenty of ways that he can impact the game as that key as that key position forward so i think he is probably the one and he probably is only the one at this stage um but yeah there's there's a lot to like about amos for sure uh just a, a quick question without notice so, sorry modern artillery um i saw some sort of questions raised uh over amos on big footy after the game against South Australia, that he wasn't taking shots from sort of outside the 40-metre mark. Would that worry you at all? It's, without knowing the conditions and without being there, it's hard to say. I mean, it didn't seem like there was a huge breeze or anything like that, um, but maybe it was just maybe there was and, and sort of we weren't there to sort of make that assessment. But I'm, I'm not overly concerned. I think he's got the penetration on his kick. Um, maybe it's just a confidence thing and um, maybe it's just a case of, um, him just wanted to sort of share that ball around a little bit, but it's not a concern for me. I think you know it only takes one sort of conversation with with the coach to sort of say, hey, you know, just back yourself, go away back and have that shot. And I think he's more than capable of doing that. So, yeah, not a concern. I think, um, yeah, I think he's got the talent, and I think he's definitely got the penetration on his kick. So I wouldn't be overly worried. Alrighty, if I may continue. Uh, Van Dyke asks, how likely is a Josh Sin type to be the best available at Fremantle's picks? And should Fremantle do it or go WA? Uh, yeah, so I apologise to Van Dyke uh, if you're listening for having to listen to my voice crack first off. And then I, I think I edited your question a bit. Um, so I'll just say, like, I don't think Josh Sin is going to be the best available at Fremantle's pick unless... Um, yeah, I, I don't see it happening unless sort of something comes out over the next months that sees Josh Sin rise up the boards again um but in terms of josh sin typing with speed and um a penetrating kick I, I unfortunately don't think much of the top end this year is going to be real speedy um you know maybe josh goda can be seen around that region uh sort of similar to sin and maybe even a little bit like uh better with his acceleration um might be a bit early for him for me but like again it's so close in that region that you're never going to um sort of i guess mark a club negatively for taking a kid maybe a little bit higher than you see him going 
Okay, so Staphylopagus would like to know uh, what, where you rank Brayshaw, Sarong, Young, and Darcy for their careers. Uh, yeah, so I think um, I just added this one at the end because I expected Freo to be a bit of a, a difficult discussion, no <laughs> offence, because of the Chera stuff. Um, personally, I think it'll end up being um, Sarong, Young, Brayshaw, and Darcy. Cool. All right, so for their NGAs, they've got Eric Benning, Jesse Motloff, and Richard Bartlett. Uh, what are they like, and what's their range? Yeah, I'll, I'll take Richard Bartlett and then let modern artillery take Benning and Motloff. Um, so Bartlett is a, a fairly, uh, I guess you could say, fresh prospect in the sense that, you know, I think he still lives in uh, Geraldton area, which doesn't exactly have the best sort of facilities for development and that. So... He's one that has uh, some athleticism and he's a really creative forward. So uh, he's sort of got that base uh, and th those tricks in his game. So, you know, if Fremantle took him, uh, I don't think he'll go in the national draft. So as a Category B rookie, he's one that could really um, explode with sort of professional uh, development. Yeah, so Benning, sort of that ruck forward, um... He's a touch smaller than most AFL rucks, but I think his athleticism will make up for that. His follow-up's pretty good once the ball hits the deck, and he can certainly lay a tackle. And uh, He's not too bad on the lead as well. He's got the athleticism to sort of get out on the move, get his hands out in front and take a grab as well. So um, he probably fits later into that national draft. Um, before the SAWA game, I think I probably had him a little bit further back, but he was quite impressive in that game as well. So I think he's probably one that is rising. And so his... Ceiling in the draft, I'm not too sure, but it probably is sort of the second half of the draft, I think. Uh, Jesse Motlop's the other one. He's sort of a, a lower production kind of small forward at this stage, but he's, he's done enough to earn himself a debut at Waffle League level. Um, when he does find the footy, he tends to mostly make good decisions with it and doesn't often look too rushed or panicked with the footy. He's got a good touch of forward craft, which probably comes with a Motlop name, so that's probably not too surprising, but he's a pretty capable tackler too. Talk, tackler too. So there's, there's enough tools there to suggest he's he's worthy of a spot on an AFL list. And the, again, the range for him is probably pretty difficult, probably somewhere between 30 and 50, which is a pretty broad range. I've probably on my list probably got him closer to the 50, but um, I wouldn't be overly surprised to see him sort of push up towards the middle, middle part of the, of the draft. All right. Well, I've got one question without notice for you guys. Um, WA and, uh, well, obviously there's no VFL finals. They've been cancelled, but the WA and sample finals will be going ahead. Uh, is there anyone we should be watching for over the next couple of weeks of finals? Um, yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll try and do some WA um, prospects and let Modern Artillery have the home territory with South Australia. Um, I think Rep Bazo uh, is, is one to really look for for Swan Districts in their Waffle Colts campaign. Um, coming back from a, a full season with Guildford Grammar, so he'll be a nice sort of injection into their side and um, hopefully show us the same things that he showed us in the WASA game. Uh, Jacob Van Royen, you know, he, he's sort of shown us now that he can do do it up forward, do it in the back line. So it'll be interesting to see where his club level coaches think that um, he he can play his best footy in the finals. Yeah, South Adelaide's league side are playing um, their elimination final against North Adelaide this weekend. So that'll see Jason Horn, Francis, and hopefully Matty Roberts as well get a run around on Adelaide Oval. Um, 
obviously we've seen a fair bit of them this year but just just be good to see how horn francis in particular adapts to that finals footy and you kind of expect him to really be able to step up and and really have an influence to that level so i'm really excited to sort of see what he does um the 18s have got um a prelim final this weekend jace bergwine will be playing um for the eagles so for for those port fans who are sort of interested to see um that father-son prospect, Jace Bergwijn, son of Peter, um, have a run around in finals footy as well. Could be good to watch um, against West Adelaide. So, a couple of names there, but it's, it's it's getting pretty quiet on the on the sample front. A lot of the under-18s kids have finished up um, this year, and so um, yeah, probably Matty Robertson, Jason Horn, Francis in the in the league footy, and then Jace Bergwijn um, in the 18s will be the ones to look out for. Excellent. And uh, Neil Erasmus watch just across the boards this week. Uh, He's apparently very popular at Adelaide. Well, I see. <laughs> Have you just searched <laughs> up his name on Big Footy? Yes, and, and <laughs> evidently, evidently Hawthorne supporters wouldn't mind a piece of him either. Yeah, well, oh, there's a lot to like. I can't say I blame them. <laughs> oh, geez, sorry. Um, yeah, so he, he's uh, obviously got a lot of fans high up and with good reason. It, it'll be interesting, I think, on sort of exposed form. He, he's got a lot of the Vic kids. Um, beat, you know, you've sort of got your midfielders in Ben Hobbs and Josh Ward who have probably outperformed him. But apart from that, he's sort of a, a top six, top seven prospect on production. Really, um, I think the only concern over him for sort of a top, top level prospect is if he's not going to be sort of a, a contested specialist type of mid is his kicking and speed good enough um you know I'm, I'm not sure what you think about that modern artillery i think he's sort of spread from the contest and his positioning is good but his kicking can definitely be suspect at times yeah i think he's got to make some improvement on that for sure but i think that will come as well um i'm just happy to have him out at adelaide i can just take you to the bank get it done <laughs> sign him up get in the guernsey let him pick his number and we'll be done with it i reckon well that's if GWS don't pick him and make him captain oh. next year. He's <laughs> <laughs> not, not as popular on the Brisbane board, I notice. Uh, I think they're pretty resigned to not having a top 10 pick, but I'm sure <laughs> if they do get one for Lockie Neal, then uh, Erasmus will be front of mind. Well, I think that's a, enough pressure on the poor kid for this week. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much for joining me once more, guys. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you, Modern Artillery. Thanks for having us, mate. And thanks, PM Bangers, as always, for putting together the agenda and the discussion for tonight. Uh, thanks, Wookie. Always good to be on with you. Well, I, I try. Not not too hard, to be honest. Um, we can <laughs> I'm getting carried. Um, but yeah, thanks very much, guys. Thanks for everyone that's been listening so far. We will see you all next time on the Big Footy Draftcast. In the meantime, you can find these fine gentlemen on the Big Footy Draft and Trading Board. And you can get more information on things draft and trade at draftcentral.com.au as well. You can also find me on the sports industry Twitter on, well, Twitter. And that's it. Thank you very much.